Cho Wen Chang is the managing partner of Ascendian Law. He's a skillful business litigator with deep experience in white-collar defense, regulatory defense, and corporate and commercial litigation. He has held numerous significant leadership positions in the past, including Chief Counsel of the Regulator of Canada's Public Equities Markets and Trading Systems, a prosecutor with the BC Securities Commission, and a former Crown Counsel. Chilwin spends most of his non-legal time with his family, enjoying being the best dad ever in his kids' eyes and being a considerate partner to his wife. He is also an amateur boxer registered with Boxing BC. He most recently was a panelist for Fackel BC's Gala, where he shared his own experiences of how to advocate for oneself in the workplace and beyond. Today, I am pleased to introduce him to Fackel BC's podcast, where he will be taking over as the host for a mini-series this month. The mini-series will feature interviews with three senior Asian litigators in the Lower Mainland, Kevin Liu, Ryan Chang, and Miranda Lam. Chilwin, it's so great to have you on air today. Can you please tell us a bit more about the upcoming episodes before I turn it over to you? Fiona, thank you so much for uh, introducing me and a big thanks to Fackel for inviting me to do this. What a, uh, just a great opportunity to reach out to fellow Asian litigators as well as to delve into an issue that I've noticed for some time. Uh, it, it really started, I was just having some some spare time and I, I was looking on some websites of other law firms. It was a national law firm, I won't say who it is. And I was just noticing just how, if I filtered to litigation, filtered to like Vancouver office and not a single Asian face, and I started talking around to some of my other friends, and there's a certain you know circle of kind of senior, well-experienced commercial corporate litigators in the downtown area. That the, the people, the, the the men and women, uh, uh, and non-binary people that we see in the courtrooms uh, every day in chambers, and like there's not many Asians that you see, Chinese, Japanese, uh, or Korean, otherwise, right? So so that just got us, got me looking into doing some investigation and trying to find out if there's, if there's something to this. And so um, I've got three uh, of, uh, of Vancouver's top Asian litigators. It's certainly not everyone, but it's the three that are in my circle. You've got Kevin Liu, who is by far, I think, uh, well-known at Nathan Schachter, very probably one of the top litigation boutiques around. Um, and he is a, is a partner there. Uh, wanted to get a very senior, experienced uh, viewpoint uh, from his perspective. You have uh, Brian Chang, uh, now a new shareholder at Owen Bird, who's also um, very much a commercial litigator and kind of practices at that mid-level, at that regional firm, whereas Nathan Schachter is a bit more of a boutique. And uh, and Miranda Lamb, who's well-known to FACL, uh, is a partner at McCarthy Tetro and kind of rounds out where uh, what is it like to be an Asian high-performance litigator at a national firm and everyone's got very different approaches and experiences and uh, make sure everyone that you wait until the end of the interview because I ask the most important question of what it's like to be an Asian litigator for each of the three and you can hear their three different experiences. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chowan. I'm very excited to hear all of these mini series. So without further ado, let's dive into our first interview with Kevin Liu. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Chowan. How are you doing? Really well. Um, just for the for the audiences, uh, our listeners' um, benefit, I got to know you. Uh, we sparred in the courtroom, I think about two years ago, over a, a really interesting kind of residential property dispute, and you were trying to get a CPL removed. 
Um, does that, do you remember that? Uh, I, I do. And I, I have to tell you, um, and I, I know I'm probably making you, you blush a little bit, but you know, Kevin, you've, you've got this reputation for being just a stellar technical lawyer and an outstanding courtroom advocate. And of course, of course you are, you know, you, you have to be at Nathan Schachter in order to, to have that kind of that skill. But I, I can honestly say being in that courtroom with you and looking at your written material and, and watching you be an advocate, um, I could absolutely see why you've got the reputation that you do. Um, but, you know, after our experience, it did lead me to uh, just do a, a kind of a thought experiment. And I went on to the, the websites of all of kind of the major firms, all the national firms here in Canada and the global firms that operate here in Canada. I, I won't kind of out them and name them who they are. But I also looked at a lot of the, kind of the known kind of the high-end commercial litigation boutiques around town. And I would sort of, you know, filter by, you know, Vancouver, filter by partner, filter by litigation. And I, I have to say, I saw, I perceived a real dearth of Asian and South Asian faces. And it sort of led me on this journey to interview you and some others on this podcast series about whether that's true and whether that's good or, or what can we do about it if it is true. And so I thought, Kevin, I mean, you're a natural person to talk to as one of the, the leading litigators who also happens to be Asian here in, in the Vancouver commercial area. Am I, am I seeing something right or, or, or are you seeing, seeing that as well? Uh, I, I think you're right, Joe. And uh, this has been a, uh, a phenomenon, I think, that I've, I've been aware of for quite a while. And, and it arises in, in two ways. One is, as you've just said, um, I think it's just generally noticeable that when you're in the courtroom, um, there aren't, all, and if you're wanting to refer matters out, there's not a lot of um, senior counsel in Vancouver, at least downtown Vancouver, who are, who are commercial litigators. Um, the other part of that, of course, is the language issue. Um, there are a lot of clients who call up and say, um, I want someone who is skilled in, in complex commercial litigation, but speaks either Cantonese or Mandarin. And um, often what happens in, in those cases is that there are very few people um, in the downtown Vancouver area who are commercial litigators in, in complex matters that, uh, that these matters can be referred to. Well, why do you think why do you think that happens? That just in terms of that number, like we'll get into whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for the clients and for society in a moment. But do you have a sense of why that might be happening? Well, I think since you've asked me since you asked me to do this podcast last week, I've, I've been thinking about it, and and I think there are probably a number of 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 um, causes. And I should say this first of all. Um, I, I feel a little bit like um, that I'm just viewing this from sort of an anthropological um, perspective. Uh, I don't have any direct experience personally, I don't think, um, with with the issues I'm going to raise. But um, uh, these are things that I've observed or things that I can speculate about. Um, and, and one of the the primary issues, I think, is, is a cultural one. Um, I, I come from a uh, a fourth generation family and so my parents are not particularly traditional uh, but I had a lot of friends growing up whose parents were traditionally Asian um, and, and I have to say for those people um, 
if they did get parental pressure to join particular professions or or enter particular types of education, and um, those were almost exclusively um, in the areas of of um, being a doctor, of course, first of all, um, being an engineer or an accountant, and and I think lawyer was very far down that list, and commercial litigator was even even was even further. What is it about lawyering? that seems less appealing than doctor, engineer, or accountant. I mean, I hate blood. I, I can't stand the sight <laughs> of blood. That's why I don't do PI work. Um, but <laughs> what, what is so much, what is so much more, 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 uh, uh, honor family, honor enhancing. <laughs> does, it, it does doctoring bring that lawyering doesn't. Uh, I, I actually don't know. Chill and I, I don't know if I'm qualified <laughs> to answer that question. You'll have to ask um, um, the, the elders for, for that uh, yeah. for an answer to that question. But uh, but but I think it is a, an undeniable um, phenomenon that uh, you know it is a stereotype. But but the stereotype is to some extent true uh, that uh, that for a, a certain subset of, of very traditional Asian parents. Um, having a child who's a doctor is sort of the pinnacle of, 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 of success in, in raising that child. Um, just to go on, I, I mean, there may be other issues as well. And, and I don't want to discount the idea that there might be some um, external barriers um, to entry and, and, and um, raising that point is, is actually why I raised my sort of lack of qualifications, because I don't really feel like I've experienced that. Um, but but I can see that that some people would um, who are Asian and and who are entering that sort of world would would feel that they didn't fit in, for example. And th- there doesn't have to be um, a um, any any express um, or overt demonstrations of racism to make it discouraging to enter a particular field. Um, but perhaps you know someone sees that uh, that that before there's a critical mass, um, they would be a, a, a very small minority and, and that dissuades um, them in themselves, that dissuades them um, by itself. I guess the other thing as well is, is that there could be language issues. And, and of course, when we're talking about um, more recent immigrants, especially, um, you know, perhaps English is not their first language or not the strongest part of their, of their skill set. And as you know, Joe, and the I mean, language is all we do, right? We we argue things through language, we write things, and, and English is uh, the command of the English language and the ability to be persuasive is so important. And and so perhaps for those people, um, you know, accounting or, or lawyering or doctoring, all of which um, um, require, of course, large... Um, degrees of intelligence and and work, but but don't require as strong a, a command of the English language might be more um, might be more appealing. You know the um, Kevin, I, I actually didn't know that you were fourth fourth generation, and and the and the relevance of that is you've got a unique perspective. So I'm 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 first like I I'm first generation. I came in that that wave in the. 
in the early 70s, just after the, the Sino-British Pact was signed for Hong Kong. And you had, I think it's fairly well documented, just a wave of <clears throat> Hong Kong professionals, Cantonese-speaking professionals landed in Canada. So while I was born in Hong Kong, I frankly, I, I was here since I was five weeks old. But, but I am technically first generation. Do you think that the, and so where I'm leading with this is, do you think that some of what you're talking about, some of those natural barriers will dissipate over time? Or is there something more structural perhaps that might entrench some of these, these trends? I do think it's going to disappear over time. Um, and, and one way of looking at it is just to look um, right now at the, at the younger ranks of, of commercial litigators in Vancouver. Uh, I know you said that you looked at um, the websites and looked at the senior partners levels or the partner level, and, and you saw a dearth of, of commercial litigators in Vancouver. And I think that's right. Um, but if you looked at the first to fourth years or the first to fifth year associates, um, I, I think you'd see a very different picture. And, and that's illustrated probably um, not only by looking at the firms generally, but by looking at, at organizations like FACL um, who have um, lawyers who are keen and young and smart and who are growing in number, I think, um, in, in this province. And, and so, you know, maybe it is just... Um, in part, the answer is, is just to wait and see or, or to wait long enough and, and, and we'll get there. And, and just by way of illustration, I, I remember, you know, I, I've been doing this for, I guess, 27 years now. And when I started, um, the number of, of women partners in Vancouver was very small and, and the number of women judges um, was also very small. Um, I, I don't remember how many judges there were, but there weren't very many. Um, uh, Madam Justice Southern and Madam Justice Proudfoot were prominent members of the bench. And uh, I think perhaps, um, you know, M Madam Justice Prowse was just starting out. Um, but but there were very few. and but, but you could see at the time that things were beginning to change, maybe too late, but, but they were beginning to change. Um, at the time that I went to law school, 55% of my class was women. Um, when you looked at the ranks of younger associates, there were uh, a lot of women in those ranks, um, both as litigators and solicitors. And, and so you could sort of see that uh, that bubble, or not bubble, but that, that demographic would move up. And, and in 20 years, um, there was at least the potential that things would be different. And if you look today at the bench, for example, and, and the women that have been appointed, uh, it's still not far enough and, and it's still unequal. Um, but it's certainly a lot better today than it was 27 years ago. And um, I, I'm hoping and I expect that that uh, same process is going to follow through with uh, with Chinese litigators, or not just Chinese, but Asian litigators in Vancouver. <clears throat> Kevin, I'm, I'm going to press a little bit. Uh, we're litigators after all, so I'm going to push back just a little bit. Not that I disagree with you, but just for the sake of argument, I... So something else that I did was, you know, I looked at, you know, those 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 ranking systems, right? That 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 pervade our profession. I've I've heard rumors. I and I'm expressly disclaiming. I have no idea if they're true or not. But there's this, you know, some people will say that they're they're kind of marketing tools and they're 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 easy to game and by the big firms that have big marketing budgets. I, I have no idea if that's true or not. I guess that's. 
maybe coming from people who have tried to comfort themselves that they're not on those lists, right? So I, I, I can't, you know, but but you look on those lists, and again, I, I did it. I went to Lexpert, I went to LexisNexis. I let you, know, you look at those top recommended lawyer lists, and 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 you 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 filter for litigation, you filter for Vancouver, or even just Canada generally. Frankly, uh, you get the same sort of observations. And again, there's this dearth of Asian names, and I'm not so presumptuous to say. Kevin, you should be on that list, but I think you should be on that list. I think there's a ton of people that I would talk to, and I would try to butter you up. But I'm just saying, though, like even just the general observation, there are literally no Asian names on any of those lists. And even if you look at the, we talk about the under the younger lawyers. Well, I look at the top forty under, you know, those top forty lists, under forty lists, and again, there's this, just this rash or sorry, rash, this dearth of Asian faces. I think one of the only faces that I've seen on those under 40 lists in the last five years when I looked in the litigation sphere is one of our guests is going to be Miranda Lamb. So what's, I don't know, I, I, this is sounding like a rant and I don't, I'm not asking you to rant either, but, but am I, I'm just pushing back a bit on your observation, even, even on the on the self-nominating kind of reputational piece that, that aren't tied to a firm, I feel like I'm seeing something else. Am I, am I being uh, a bit paranoid, Kevin? Well, well maybe I, I'm not sure. Uh, first of all, not to, <laughs> uh, not that it matters a, a whole much, but I, I am on a few of those lists. Uh, um, and, and so, and, and I know Miranda as, as well, and I, I don't want to exclude anybody in this conversation, but, but, because I, I suspect that there are at least a couple more downtown litigators who appear on a list or two, um, but but I, I think the the uh, what you've described is is simply a reflection of the same problem that we've already identified that that most of those people are the senior people, and, and if there's only three or four of us or five of us, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact number. But if there are only a few of us anyways in downtown Vancouver who are presently senior, I don't even know if I, I, I regard myself as, as senior, but as, <laughs> as, as, as a mid-senior um, counsel sure. in, in complex commercial litigation in, in downtown Vancouver, there's only a few of us anyways. Then the fact that you know only a couple of us are, are on those lists um, is, is not that surprising. When you talk about the younger folks, and, and certainly uh, I take your point about the top 40s under 40, but but even those, um, my view is that typically the people who are on those lists are between 36 and 39, and so maybe maybe it it is a still a waiting game to to some degree. Okay, well you know, and look, let me just I'm I'm being deliberately provocative. I, I agree with what you're saying, and and I, I I should have mentioned that you do you do appear on a number of those lists. Um, but there, I, I do keep my point. There aren't there aren't too many of us. Um, but be that as it may, let me let me um, I use that though in a contrast. So the issue around litigation, though, we talk about lawyering, and we talked about you know being a doctor or an engineer or an accountant is not such a big problem. If you go on the business law ranks, though, our our, our solicitor brethren, you do see a, a more diverse crew. Is there something about litigation that proves to be more of a barrier than the solicitor ranks? 
Um, I, I think the answer is, is maybe. Um, uh, maybe one of the answers is the language issue that I spoke about before. The, the, uh, and, and no doubt, as solicitors, English language is important. You're drafting things. You're, um, you're, you're um, you know, creating contracts and creating deals. Um, but, but I think it's a different use of language. And as litigators, it's all about persuasiveness and about writing well and quickly and um, and absorbing, frankly, large amounts of, of written language coming the other way in a very short amount of time. Um, and, and so maybe uh, to, to some extent where people are more recent immigrants or have less of facility with the English language, that that, that um, creates... Maybe it's not even an external barrier, but maybe it's a self-imposed barrier that people have less uh, confidence to to go into that sort of field, um, because certainly there are, um, you know, people I know who whose language is whose whose first language is not English um, uh, of all sorts who who do very well as litigators. Um, the the second the second is is a reason that I can speculate about I. I I'm a little bit wary about uh, about um, about repeating or creating stereotypes, but but I think perhaps if one looks at things in the aggregate or, or sort of overall, I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but but I think in a lot of Asian cultures, especially for people who are culturally um, um, traditionally Asian, um, the idea of of the confrontation that arises in litigation. You know, might be a little bit outside of, of what they're comfortable with, or or um, uh, not within their, you know, what they look to when they're looking for a profession. And and of course, I mean, I I hasten to say that there's there's obviously exceptions to the, to every rule, and and that's just a broad generalization. But but you asked me for uh, you know for explanations as to the difference between the solicitors and the litigators, and 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 those might be a couple. Kevin, I'm, I want to go off script, uh, off the kind of the outline that we talked about to raise something that I've I've really wanted to talk to senior litigation counsel in British Columbia about because it's something that that bothers me as a citizen and as a lawyer and as a as an I shouldn't say bother it troubles me and that to the extent to which I've actually done I started. The glimmers of a paper, um, and this is sort of an opportunity for me to maybe bounce the idea off you. And again, I'm I, I want to be careful because I don't want to make too many generalizations. But I have read three decisions, four decisions uh, issued by our Supreme Court of British Columbia at the trial level. Um, one of them is is matter of public record for the for the listeners' benefit. Uh, Madam Justice Griffin is one. I, I don't remember the exact style of cause, but the, it, it, I, I distinctly remember it being a decision of Madam Justice Griffin as she was a trial judge at that time. And it described a type of fact pattern that we're starting to see a bit of, of, you know, massive Chinese families on mainland Chinese families. Let's just identify it on both sides, plaintiff and defendant. And they don't live in Canada. They reside in China. They all the evidence such that there is quite often there's a dearth of written evidence. But to the extent to which there's written evidence, it's always in Chinese. 
Uh, to the extent to which there's oral evidence, it's always through a translator. The trials are three times longer than they would normally be if it was conducted in English. There's issues around translation. There's issues around getting people to be in one place for discovery and examine, you know, and, and trial. And it's remarkable. I, I have, I can point to, um, like I've personally seen four written decisions of these massive trials where the judge says, I don't believe any of you. I don't believe any of you. There, there's no consistency among any of, of the witnesses. Um, do we, as litigators, and specifically as Asian litigators, is there something that we ought to be worried about? Is there something that we could be doing better to help our those kinds of clients navigate the system? Am I, or maybe I'm just crazy, and then the four that I've read are are anomalies. I, I worry because because the trials are usually they take up a lot of judicial resources, and in a time when we're worried about access to justice and bumping and court time, you know these trials seem to take a lot of time. Um, I don't know. I'm throwing that out at you, Kevin. What's what's your reaction? Hmm. Well, I, I haven't thought about this before, but um, I mean, it, it's certainly interesting. It's, it's certainly true that there are a lot of actions in this province these days that um, involve Chinese parties on both sides, uh, either people who are recently immigrated and, and have created businesses here or, or who um, actually still live in China and and um, manage businesses in British Columbia from afar. Um, that's certainly true. And, and they get into disputes. and <laughs> There are often disputes uh, among each other or, or within companies, shareholder disputes. I've certainly done some of those. Um, and, and you're right. Um, because of the translation issues, um, they take a lot longer than, than they otherwise would. But, I, but I, I'm not sure if I understand what you say about the access to justice issues, but, um, you know, these people have, have invested usually their, their wealth into British Columbia to create businesses. Um, they're entitled to use our court system to resolve their disputes. And, and, and frankly, the fact that they entrust their court system with their disputes is probably a, a, a positive thing. Um, there are a lot of, of types of trials, you know, um, that take up a lot of court time, and and you know one doesn't suggest that 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 something should be done about them because they consume um, more time than others. Um, if if that were so, then then maybe we should outlaw construction litigation, for example. No. Uh, 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 Boxes, boxes, like war rooms of litigation. Well, well, that's right. And and of course, nobody's suggesting that. So, so uh, I see the phenomenon that you're, you're describing. Um, uh, I I think it's just the natural consequence of, of, of Asian nationals investing in our province and then um, having businesses here. And, And when you have a business, Either disputes often arise within that business or between the businesses, and and, and that's just what happens. Um, well, the the, the Kevin, fact no, that no. go ahead, sorry. No, well, I think that the the, the 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 first part of my question, though, and it and potentially the more provocative one is is that there are a number of of these Supreme Court, and I refer to Supreme Court judgments where. Where where there's an explicit finding of lack of 
credibility. In fact, some of the judgments are frankly more critical than than that. Uh, 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 and I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm not trying to create uh, uh, stereotypes. But I'll tell you, as a practicing litigator myself, and again, I'm not going to name clients. It's not appropriate. I'm not asking you to do that either. But I, I have experienced some of that where I think that there's a, a culture. I, and I can only attribute to, to culture. There's a certain view of what the justice system is for. And maybe I'm wrong. I just, um, and it is frustrating for me as a practitioner. And, I, and it seems to have some... I am relying on some of these judgments to say I'm not crazy in seeing this, but I guess I'm asking you as a as a senior barrister, am I? Is that wrong? Is there? Are you seeing that? Um, I have certainly seen that, um, but but I'll say a few things. First of all, I don't think it's it's confined at all to to Chinese or even mm -hmm. Asian um, um, uh, um, disputes. Um, uh, I think findings like that often arise, especially in in intercompany family or you know inter empire disputes, which I deal with a lot because I, I deal with shareholding disputes a lot, and 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 they often arise in in, in um, you know what I call our what I call family empires. Yes, and and, and these empires exist in um, many cultures. Um, you know the Indian culture, the, the Chinese culture, um, where where a patriarch um, or a matriarch um, founds a company, um, it it grows um, into many parts, and then it's handed down to sons and daughters, and then those sons and daughters hate each other, and and it ends up in litigation. And that's often where these types of disputes arise, and, and for whatever reason. Um, I, I do agree with you that that in many of those cases, witnesses are are found less credible than in sort of your normal corporate dispute. And, and maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe some of these people come from places where, because the courts aren't respected, they feel less of a, a, a compulsion to tell the truth. Um, maybe it's um, Maybe it's just a family thing that people are so desperate or filled with so much emotion to deal with these matters that uh, they can't help themselves but to but to but to exaggerate their position. Um, uh, and just just uh, just to, to to finish that point, um, when I say it's not only. Um, Asian immigrants or, or other immigrants. It's not just immigrants at all, and it's certainly not just non-white immigrants. I mean, one remembers, uh, what is the name of that, that Dutch family who owned all of those um, nurseries in, in, in Richmond? I, I don't remember the name right now, but, but their disputes spawned you know, a, a wealth of litigation that went on for many years. And, and, I, and I remember that in those cases, there were many people who found not credible as well. So uh, I, I think it's more a function of the types of cases that these um, these people bring to the country um, and the province, as opposed to the uh, the fact that they are actually Asian. Uh, although the fact that they have grown up in a author uh, authoritarian regime where the courts are not as respected as they are here it may well play into it as well. You know, and, and there's there's some, I guess, to, to help support 
corroborate what you're saying is, you know, I, I have read many kind of studies in the, in the business and economics and social political uh, areas um, that talk about that, the, the, you know, the nature of, of, of private wealth in those countries versus sometimes a bit more of an institutional role that, sorry, the role that institutional wealth plays in, uh, in, in liberal democracies in, in the West, shall we say. So I, that, that tracks what you're saying that, that perhaps that kind of family squabble uh, tends to be a bit more predominant in these kind of commercial litigation cases. There's always that family close knit social circle element to it in these kinds of disputes, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's right. And once you get that emotion into it, then, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, of course, this is uh, this is a generalization as well. There's there's many upstanding people who who um, enter into these arrangements and get into disputes. But uh, but as a broad um, generalization, when you get that emotion, that that family aspect to it, um, you know, I, I think sometimes people are less. Uh, are more liberal with the truth than they otherwise would be. Kevin, you've been really generous with your time and, and I didn't want to wear out the welcome mat, but I, I did want to ask you just sort of a final area of, of questions and they surround the idea of, you know, if, if what you say is true and actually I, I believe, I accept what you're saying. I'm just saying as a, as an argument and a premise, let, let's say that there is a there is a a, a, a bit of um, a, a disproportionate number of barristers in that kind of high end commercial area that are represented by or filled by Asian lawyers um, in the upper generations. What what can we do? And I'm certainly not putting myself as senior as you, but I, I've been I, I'm in my 23rd year of practice myself, and and I, I'm not a young spring chicken anymore as my as my gym workouts will, will tell me. Um, so I feel like I've got a role to try to help out, especially listeners of, of, of the Faculty podcast that who's sponsoring this one. What, what are things that we can do, you and I can do to help kind of mentor and support um, those kind of emerging Asian litigation leaders? Well, I, I think your words, mentor and supporters are the key ones. And, you know, I have to say, I, I haven't, had a lot of involvement with FACL in, in, um, in, in my past, um, but I, I'd certainly be help, be happy to, to be more involved. Um, as I understand it, there's, there are a lot of, of up-and-coming young lawyers who may well become senior litigators in the future um, who are part of that organization and, and who are part of our profession generally in the younger ranks. And... Um, you know, maybe one way is to set up a a, a more defined or, or more accessible mentoring system where um, where uh, younger members of the profession could access people like you and me um, and Miranda and others to um, you know to get advice and to get support um, when when necessary. And I I'd certainly be happy to to do stuff like that. Is there a role for the, and I, and I appreciate, it, I'm going to ask a bit kind of a controversial proposition to you again, just to see where we go with that. Is there a role for, I don't want to call it affirmative action. It's such a loaded term, but the a recognition of 
of of privilege of of a person who who grew up on the west side of Vancouver is Caucasian went to the right private schools uh, that that the the kid from Asian South Strathcona doesn't have is there a role to you know is that potentially there is there a role for uh, uh, older, older. I'm not saying old or senior, but older, more you know, lawyers like you and me in in the hiring process or the kind of that level at the institutional level within firms. Is there is there something there for us? You know, I, I always find this a difficult question, and and of course, you know what the arguments are on one side and the other. I mean, on on one side, yes, you want to have people in the profession who. Um, reflect the diversity of our community, and um, and eventually you want to have have the bench um, reflect the diversity of the community. And the, the only way those people get to the bench is by moving through the senior ranks of uh, of, of the profession to begin with. Uh, on the other hand, um, um, we we don't want to have a situation where where people are are um, advanced um, into situations where they're either not qualified or um, they're seen not to be qualified because because of some sort of um, of, of program. I mean, people who um, are are bright and um, who are ambitious and and who want to be in those senior ranks, uh, I think probably would would resist the idea of, of any uh, of any obligatory policies to to increase the diversity in senior ranks because. They don't want to be seen as uh, as having taken advantage or being advanced simply because of of, of their um, of their ethnic qualities. Um, so I think probably um, the, the answer is somewhere in between. The, the answer is we should always be aware of these things. Um, if you're on a hiring committee or on a recruitment committee, um, you should certainly be aware of 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 the privilege that some people might have over other people and, and take that into account when you're, you know, assessing the qualifications of someone. Um, but, but I would, I would probably not go any further than that. I, I think I would resist um, any sort of um, policy or, or, or rules that, uh, that would, that would try to increase the numbers. Um, you know, as I said before, um, I think part of our task here is just to wait, and and um, and I think if we wait long enough, or or probably by the time that the youngest members of our profession now are in the position we are, I, I think things will get better, um, and and without the help of 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 obligatory guidelines or rules that uh, that some might suggest. <clears throat> that that was um, fantastic, Kevin. I really appreciate that those thoughts. Um, I think what I'd like to do is, is close off this uh, this uh, this session with probably our most important question that we ask our guests. Um, it's it's really important, and it will it will frame how we view you in the profession <laughs> for years to come. Um, pan fried dumplings or steamed dumplings. Which where you got one choice? Um, pan fried, I think. Uh, it, it is. It's a very difficult question, uh, <laughs> and there are. Uh, I, 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 as a litigator, I can imagine um, a multitude of arguments on both sides uh, uh, of that issue. But um, 
Uh, and of course, it is a very serious one, but uh, but the crispiness of of the pan fried, um, I, I, I think, um, allows them to win the day. Kevin, thank you so much for your thoughts and spending some time with me, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kevin Liu of Nathan Schachter Thompson, uh, uh, senior uh, senior partner with the firm, uh, and and just a tremendous tremendous human being and gives so much time to, to helping uh, uh, younger lawyers all around, as well as just a, a delight, a true, true clinic every time he's in court. And I, I say that from, from personal experience. Um, uh, Kevin, I, I do want to end this uh, and just close this off by saying, Kevin, you were actually an inspiration for me. I was an articling student at um, Dave, the old Davison company and, um, uh, Stan Wong ha happens to be an Asian lawyer. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, uh, but he, you know, I, I had the fortune of, of him having him as my principal when I was was articling. I was in chambers, and and you walked in and you showed me what it could be like. And um, I've never told that to you before, Kevin. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but you you were an inspiration to me. So. You know, you you've lived the things that you've just talked about. So thank you for that, Kevin. You're you're too kind, Sheldon. I I, I um, hope that I succeeded on that chamber's application. Um, but, uh, but, but I think but, it was yeah. un, it was uncontested. I remember you went up by yourself. It was it was an uncontested. But but just to see someone of your skill and the presence that you had and how you took the judge through it was a, it was a complicated. I remember it was a complicated application. It was like a it was like a 10 minute one, but it was, it was, it was, it was unopposed. It's probably like a, a, a sale or something who knows, but uh, it was, it was many years ago, but, but I was there, Kevin. And um, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for all that you do for all of us. Um, thank you for having me, uh, Joan. This, this has been fun. Thank you for tuning into the Fackle BC podcast. Visit our website at facklebc.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at FackleBC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest. If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at facultbc.ca.